you hear about the Guardians' promotion for the game today? It was a giveaway game. Give away the win. This is a disappointing loss. It, it's not over yet. Maybe they'll come back here, but I don't have high expectations. They should have won this game. There should be a game up. Instead, they're a game back in the division. We're going to get into it. I'm hot right off the bat on today's episode of Locked on Guardians. You are Locked on Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, my name is Jeff Ellis. I'm the host of Lockdown Guardians. I have been for all 700 plus episodes before then, before then, before, during, uh, at points, a crossover. I was a lead prospect and draft analyst at Scout and 24-7, and my First big writing gig was at Indians Prospect Insider back in the day before it became Indians big, uh, you know, Indians Baseball Insider. and was Big League Insider, Indians Baseball Insider. Uh, let's just get into it. So I sat there and tweeted out the minute it happened. Not sure why you go to Castro in a 1-1 game. I get the pen has seen a lot of work. This has me a bit leery. Why do you go to the worst reliever in your pen in a high leverage situation? Like, it is just a bad call from the get. Like, Anthony Castro has not looked good at any point this year. He, You got him in return for Bradley Zimmer. Bradley Zimmer didn't have much of a market. He is called up because he's a depth arm type of guy who is fresh. And, you know, a lot of guys have been working. You know, uh, you go through and you look at that Tuesday game. He's the only guy outside of Anthony Ghost who didn't pitch in that game. So... You know, the the overall pitch count, I mean, Class A had six pitches. I, well, is that how that is? I, I should double check that, if that is a pitch count or what. But sometimes, you know, you're paying Brian Shaw to go out and make appearances. I get it. He pitched Tuesday and, wait, this is, yeah, I mean, everyone had an off day Monday, but Shaw hadn't pitched since Thursday. Like, he is, I'd rather have Shaw than Castro. Now, you know, they're trying to sit here and make me look bad by getting runners on the corners. We'll see if this can come together, and I'm just going to end up looking like a jerk. I mean, I'll hope for it. If you go back and watch my most popular video ever, it's the Josh Naylor Grand Slam one, where I start by saying, well, it looks like they're going to lose this one, so I will gladly be wrong. Uh, I, I don't have a lot of faith in getting three more runs here in the ninth, but we'll see. But just to get back to it, uh, Shaw had pitched on Thursday, and then... He pitched yesterday. Hadn't pitched. He had, you know, five, four days off in between. Trevor Steffen had pitched Friday, then hadn't pitched, you know, he didn't pitch the entire weekend. And, that, of course, nobody pitched on Monday. So you have guys who had gaps in there. Castro is not good. It's a high-leverage game. He is your long reliever. He is your mop-up guy. He is the one you send in uh, to take care of things. He has been really bad this year. And it's not just that, like, he goes out and gives up the tying run, but it's that they're so slow to adapt. So slow to adapt that then he ends up giving up a three-run home run. Like, it was clear he was going to get hit around, oh, off the wall. Let's see how many get across here. That almost went out. I'm assuming Jose might have a chance at it. I don't know. Nope, Jose stopped at third. Uh, 10-8, runners on second, third, nobody out. We'll see. Naylor had an 0-4 before that. Good on Josh Naylor. But to get back to it, it's like Sam Henches, by the way, 
He pitched Friday and Saturday, Tuesday, and he came into this game. Like he's one of the most worked relievers in this system. Uh, him, Morgan, and Classe are the three guys who have had the most work in the in the past week, and they still brought him in. Henches was still in in this game, and that's just my point. Like you, you go to Castro, I get it because he's the one guy who hasn't pitched as much, but he gives up four runs in two thirds of an inning. He gets the first out. He gets Carlos Correa, but then he walks someone. The command is all over the place. He's given up weak contact. It's all... Ernie Clement is pitch running. I assume for Naylor. Yeah. Trying to get that run. That's fine. That makes sense. That's a logical move. I got no comment there. I mean, it stinks if this goes into extras. But we should be so lucky, right? We get back to it. It's this is a high leverage game. This is an important series. You are battling for the division, and you bring in Anthony Castro, who probably won't be with this team in two months. I it made no logical sense. I called it out from the beginning. The only logic in it is he's a fresh arm. He hadn't pitched it Saturday. Everybody except for him and Anthony Ghost had pitched on had pitched yesterday. But if you're gonna go with that logic, uh then and I get why they went with hen- henches. I get you know it's a very lefty heavy lineup. It made sense to go, but it also did not make like like leaving Castro in there. Yes, he then follows up and gets the out after the home run. But it's like leaving him in there to give up a three run home run when he clearly just was not good. And he's not like I said, he's a quad A arm. They have so many options down in AAA. And I think that's what kind of annoys me to a degree. Um, when you we talk about all the young kids. Like, at some point, Nick Miklojak is going to get called up. He's going to be the guy up. And I get, you know, I would I would have been annoyed with Nick Sandlin in that situation. Uh, but if you like Johan Ramirez enough to go out and add him to this team, why, maybe he's worth trying. Like, Castro just, I don't... Castro is going to be let go when some of the uh, 60-day DL guys have to be added. He's honestly one of the next players up for that. Like, when you have to add back in Cody Morris, when you have to add in Carlos Vargas, those are the guys. I mean, he's going to get replaced when one of those guys come. Uh, as for what what's Mikula Jack done so far this year, 20 innings and 21 games. Uh, he has an ERA of .87, a FIP of three seventy six. His ex-FIP is a little higher because he's got a pretty low home run rate. Now, the walk rate has jumped this year, and the strikeout rate is down. So there are some things that are not ideal, not great in terms of performance. But he's got some pretty filthy stuff. He's an electric reliever, multiple-plus pitches. He'd be more valuable. Or if you want to go and – you know what? If you want to try someone like – you know, Andrew Misiakis. Well, again, you probably don't want three lefties in the pen. It's the same reason you don't maybe try Tim Heron. But if you want to try, like, Nick Enright, who's the other player we talked about who's been slowly moving up through the system, who you're going to have to rule, like, give him three months. And if he can be effective, great. You found another reliever. But if he's not effective, you also have made him more likely to stick around after the Rule 5, uh, you know, less likely to be selected than just being a stat performer who, you know, hasn't had a... If you've been battle-tested and failed, you're less likely to get picked than a guy who hasn't been battle-tested but has excelled. And right now, hey, you got an open 40-man spot anyways. Uh, eventually, that you know you need to replace and figure things out 
with all three of the guys on the 60-day disabled list. We assume Mercado's spot is going to eventually go to James uh, Karinchak. And then, like, the other thing is just, you know, it's funny. I was listening to Twins broadcast, and they're like, you know, oh, man, they wanted to give the pen success totally to Tito and his handling of the pen. And I'm like, no, they're in this situation because of his... The reason why Anthony Castro is out here, why you're giving him all this credit, is because uh, of how the way the pen was used the day before. And yes, extra innings hurt, but it's also like, you know, when to go to guys. It's like you go out and you sign Shaw specifically so he can do this. Now, I know what he was thinking in his head. What Tito was thinking was, well, I'll go, the seventh is not high leverage because it's not late. So I'll I'll go to Castro here for two outs, then I'll go to Shaw in the eighth, and then in the ninth... We'll bring in class A because you always go to your closer. Like that is what the thought process was. It was a flawed thought process. I said, Castro isn't going to be with this team in a few months. He's just not. And to put him in a high leverage situation in this important of a series, I know people are like, all series are about the same. It's not. Like if you take three out from the twins, let's say you manage to sweep them. Everyone, like that positive energy just keeps building. That belief in yourself, in the team, everything there is momentum to sports. A lot of times people want to say there isn't or that it's, you know, it's it's just this or that. There is momentum. And is that going to find a hole? I think it is. There goes one. Well, can we tie this one up? I just need to, and yeah, tie game. <laughs> what has happened? I just apparently need to come here and rant and claim a game is over every time something like this happens. Uh, <laughs> we got two of them now. I have now recorded... How about Oscar Gonzalez? Like, 0 for th- So we talked about Josh Naylor was 0 for 4 before the double. Oscar Gonzalez was 0 for 3. He wasn't having his, his strongest performance. Two-run shot in... Well, that was very loud. I apologize to listeners. He has the, the two-run shot in the seventh. Comes back up in the ninth with a huge bloop that scores two runs. And that's, again, why you bring in Clement. And that's why I was like, yeah, in this situation, with him being the tying run, this is why Clement is, like, the perfect back of the lineup guy because he is he's he's a plus runner he doesn't strike out a lot he can play a lot of position i don't like love the bunt here necessarily but you know i hate all bunts especially because like yeah straw is struggling of late and i know people will but no it wasn't straw right that's andre i hate the fact i don't know why i was thinking it was straw i hate bunting and like Let's take the bat out of your best clutch hitter with with a runner at second base. Like, Minnesota is happy that Andres Jimenez isn't swinging. The guy who's got the best war of any second baseman in baseball, you take the bat out of his hands. That's, it is the wrong call. It is categorically the wrong call in this situation. But you know what is not a wrong call? Getting jewelry from Blue Nile. I've talked about our friends over at Blue Nile many, many times on this very show. And... The reason that they stand out is they make original, interesting-looking pieces. They make things you will talk about, much like this game tomorrow that Cleveland just took the lead in. I know. <laughs> it's it's not just fine jewelry or engagement jewelry. It is memorable jewelry. It is jewelry that people are going to take a second and look at or ask you, where did that come from? It is not cookie cutter. It is not you know, what you see when you go to the mall. Not to knock anyone, but you know what I mean. This is celebrate life's special moments of fine jewelry or build the engagement ring of your dreams. You know, this it's, it's standout original jewelry. 
Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports listeners get 50% off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use code Locked On. That's code Locked On. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging. Don't give away what's inside. <laughs> give away what's in. Sorry. Uh, shop chest free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. And yeah, so the Guardians <laughs> took the lead. Pop fly. <sighs> Listen, I'm not going to change my point of view on the bunt because giving away outs always actually lowers your expected outcome in terms of getting a run across. Um, and especially when you're you're bunting, I do appreciate that they moved up. Andres moved down Owen because, uh, you know, Owen has, has, hasn't been as clean of late. And I, I've discussed that on this very show that he's, he still has had some struggles. He's been slowly kind of dipping, dipping, dipping. But Andres is your best hitter with runners in scoring position this year. He is your second best hitter in general. Uh, that's not for debate. He should be on the all-star ballot. Uh, if we want to sit here and have anything to like really get mad about, it's like the complete lack of respect to Andres Jimenez. Like his, the complete and total lack of respect he has. Like I don't even think he made the top five for his position. And if we just go, you know, I talked about on the show today, or no, I think it was after the game ended yesterday that I kind of got into some stuff. Like, if you were a longtime listener of this show, two players I spent a lot of time kind of banging the drum for this offseason. Players I wanted the Guardians to consider trading for were Ian Happ and Garrett Cooper. Remember when I talked about the Marlins and kind of their needs, and I was trying to work like a James Karinchok for uh, for Garrett Cooper deal? Well, this just, for some reason, didn't give me what I wanted. So let me... Um, Here's the point. Garrett Cooper, when I looked last night in terms of runs created plus, which is, you know, the metric that takes all the parts of offense and lines them up. Do you know what his rank is? Well, of course, you, you probably don't know what Garrett Cooper 26th. Uh, Ian Happ is 28th. Those are the two guys I wanted. Remember when I talked about trading for CJ Cron, maybe? He's 29th. You can say the Colorado effect, but Happ and Cooper are both there, both performing very well. They're standouts, and we got into all the talk like Brian uh, Brian Russell. Like he's having a bit of a decline compared to the previous years. He's much further down that list. But here's what's crazy about looking at just the top bats in baseball. How about the fact that Yandy Diaz is currently 43rd? Yeah, that's right, Yandy Diaz. Anthony Santander must have had a rough night last night because he was 51st when I looked, and now he's down to 60. But ahead of him, like that Baltimore team that is doing better than expected on Vegas win totals. I can tell you that right now, thanks to our friends at Bet Online. They're doing better than expected. Ahead of him, uh, just on this list here, just on the like 30 and back, you have Ryan Muntcastle, you have Trey Mancini, you have Austin Hayes. Again, Baltimore is a team I would, I would totally make a trade for Trey Mancini. I would. Same reason I'd go make a trade for Wilson Contreras. He was 11th last night. He's now down to 13th and runs created plus. Uh, you know, I, I I made up some crazy deal ideas for Andrew Vaughn at one point. He's by the way 14th. It's interesting. When we talked about Jose Ramirez deals, Alejandro Kirk is 19th. And they still have Gabriel Moreno. It's like, would, is there, with the fact that Toronto has lost all the pitching they have lost, is there a world where there's a, a, a Kirk trade that makes sense? Like, if Toronto feels that Moreno is ready to go, who's one of the top 10 prospects in baseball, was the top catching prospect in baseball, but do you trade someone like Kirk? I, I don't know. Do you trade Moreno? Could there be a trade to be made? Or if you're the Guardians, you just feel happy if Bo Naylor and go with it because of everything he's done. 
I, I don't have a good answer. And that's kind of the problem right now. I think when you're trying to figure out where this team's going to go and what they're going to do um, is, sorry, just kind of watching the broadcast. You know how it is. You get a bit excited as, as things. It was a beautiful pitch by Class A in the corner. And then a 101 on the corner making Correa look silly. Um, too many ums tonight. I mean, I already have too many of them to begin with. But yeah, it's, it's been a very ummy night. But when you're talking about this team, okay, so I think Straw's going to equalize at some point. And you know, his defense alone, I'm fine with him. He he had a good game today at the bottom of the lineup for the Guardians. And he's always a stellar defender, but he had two hits. If we do the whole, like, who reached base twice? Well, Quan had two hits. You have four hits for Rosario. Uh, and then it's funny because, like, Naylor and, um, and Jose are no. Then you come down, Gonzalez had two hits. Uh, Austin Hedges had a big home run and a walk. And then Miles Straw had two hits in this one. So a lot of players reached base twice. And, you know, it was... If you had told me the Guardians scored 11 runs, I would have thought they would won this game going away. Uh, for McKenzie, not one of his worst starts of the year, unfortunately. Three home runs in this one for him. Five strikeouts, only the one walk. Now, as you know, I've talked about that walk is def- typically his indicator for success. Um, not the case so much in this one today. Uh, he uh, he didn't walk anyone, but the, the home runs are starting to become a concern. Now, this is a team there's out number two. Are they going to pull this off? Am I going to look like a very happy fool yet again? Uh, potentially, but I will take it. Uh, it is. Um, let me know what you think, listeners of the show. Is it as funny to use as to me that this is the second time this has happened? That I'm sitting here recording, ready to admit a loss, and uh, they're going to <laughs> just make me look dumb. Um, but you know, I, I'm very happy to look dumb in this situation because this is another win if they pull this off. Um, I do have the Twins broadcast up right now. It talks about that uh, for his career, Gary Sanchez is 0 for 3 of the strikeout against Class A. But I was just kind of curious to look at home runs per nine. So amongst people, it's Kurt McCarty has the highest rate, then Tanner Tully, Anthony Castro, Anthony Ghost, Aaron Savale, and then Tristan McKenzie. Now this doesn't count today's game, so McKenzie might sneak up. But after McKenzie is Plesak, so it's three-fifths of your starters, then Brian Shaw, then Eli Morgan. Those are all the guys over one. Coming out Quantrell at .88. I think the surprising one to me is Shane Bieber at .69. Uh, last year, even when he was at his best two years ago, that was the thing. That was what got him was home runs. Uh, hasn't been the case this year. And that is a nice bonus in terms of just like, again, the velocity isn't back. But he has looked like a much different pitcher over the last month. And I think, you know, when we look at ways to improve this team, that was the original thought before I got distracted by the game itself. What would you trade for? Like, I, I say a catcher. That's why I still say, you know, Contreras is is perfect. He's a temp guy. So if Bo Naylor is the answer, you're not blocking him, and you get a lot better this year for a team that is, fingers crossed, going to be, oh, what a pitch. Just making him look silly. I mean, that was a low, it was a ball. He, oh, Nicely done, Guardy. Okay, make mea culpa. I was wrong. <laughs> I'm sitting here recording this game. They came back and they won it again. Uh, the only question now becomes, can this game, the highest I've ever had for a video was the Josh Naylor Grand Slam and Extras. Can this eclipse that? That That's that's over 1,000 views. That is my only video to ever go over 1,000 views. Can this one eclipse it? Uh, my righteous rage at the start of this one might be humorous. 
Uh, now I still have all those feelings of rage. They're totally okay. Um, I don't know if it's totally okay, but it all stands. It's not like I said anything that becomes stupid with the, uh, with what is how this game ended up occurring. It was still a, a bad call, but uh, Henches gets, is that really Henches' first win of the year? I guess he just hasn't been put in situations to get wins. But yeah, no, it's, um, I'm just happy. You should be happy too. Let's take our, our final break here, come back, and talk a little bit more about how you improve this Guardians team. A year ago, it would have been very easy to answer. It's a little bit trickier now. So, Athletic Greens. Uh, let's talk about a great product for a great day after this walk. Not walk. I always want to go to walk-off win, not a walk-off win. But uh, I liked Athletic Greens quite a bit. And I say liked, um, it's because I just haven't had a chance to reorder it yet. And what I always tell talk about on the show is it comes in this beautiful box. It's full of... You know, like I still use the water bottle. I still use the tin. I still use the scoop. Everything in there is top quality, including the product. And it's full of nutrients, vitamins, all that good stuff your body needs. And, I, you know, I'm, I always, I, I debate if I want to talk about that. Like for me, it's like the same reason I love things like matcha and green tea. It's got that kind of earthy taste, a little bit of a citrus as well to it. But to me, like that earthy taste is just a taste of good health. I love it. I used it every day. Um, when it was here, I've, I've used all my travel pouches that it came with. And, and, you know, honestly, vitamin D is a very nice thing to get, especially if you're like me recording in a podcast, podcast basement. You know, this is a product that someone made specifically to help people feel better. And, you know, it is a climate neutral. They have donated 1.2 million meals to kids. Like this is a company you can get behind on top of the fact that it's a fantastic product. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packets with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash MLB network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So here's the thing. Like I have to make a little picture to to go with the podcast and i don't even know who i put today do you put oscar do you put ahmed like who is the guy who is the 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 star i'm i'm tempted to go with the uh the oscar smile picture because like i I can't help but smile this was what a game what a comeback win now a game up in first place uh in the division I, i listen I was defending this team to the hilt. I thought this was a team that people were um, unconsciously, unconscious. I can't say the word, some way I can't pronounce. I thought that people were very, were being just too negative about. It's like, oh, they don't sign anyone. And yeah, I wanted them to sign someone. Yes, I was frustrated. But like, I also sat back and said, like, just having Shane Bieber for more than three months is going to be huge. Having Savale and Plesak not miss months of time, a f- healthy Framil Reyes not missing six to eight weeks. Now, we haven't had all of those situations occur. I understand that, but still, it's just those additions. And then it's the story of this team. It's the young players. It is Oscar Gonzalez, who was a minor league free agent and could have left. Uh, if there's a Rule 5 draft, maybe he's not here. Maybe someone else takes that gamble. And he wasn't the first guy. I mean, he had to wait for Bobby Bradley and Yu Chen Chang to have their chances. He had to wait for Bradley Zimmer and Oscar Mercado. I know Mercado was with there with him at overlapping times, but I mean, it, it was like the Highlander, and there can only be one Oscar. And we made the correct choice uh, in Cleveland. Uh, now I need someone to make that that clip art for me. I don't have any ability, but I I will definitely use that 
image in the show if someone can make me a Highlander image with the two Oscars in it. Um, but just to get into back into it, it's like those young players. Andres, again, no one is Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez is a Hall of Famer. But look at their career tracks. Look at how both players came in and were successful, struggled, and then bounced back. And now look how both players are on an all-star track this year. I, I mean, I started talking about that and then completely lost it because of how exciting this game got that I just completely I lost the field. And I went to talk about some of the players I had talked about that were performing well. But if you just look at WRC Plus amongst second baseman, because that's what Andres has been this year. We can debate if that should be his position or not. But in terms of runs created plus amongst all second basemen, is he not listed as a... This is the problem. In system, I bet he's listed as a shortstop. I'm willing to bet that is the greater issue here. You know, everyone's been talking about this, and now or maybe he does You know what I bet it is? I bet he hasn't played enough to qualify. Let me pause this so I can give you the exact stuff because no one wants to have someone clicking at a screen and not talking at the podcast. So yeah, he has a 139 runs created plus. Ahead of him, Luis Arez with Minnesota, Jose Altuve, and Jeff McNeil. Uh, he has a war, though, of two because of his defensive value as well. So his war of two would be behind Jeff McNeil and Jazz Chisholm and then also Jake Cron- uh, Cronenworth. But his war is actually uh, would be tied with Luis Arez and would be higher than Altuve's because of defensive value. But you get back into it. So Ahmed's playing better. I'm going to lay off Ahmed. Maybe I shouldn't, though. Anthony Ghost had a great game. Ahmed had a great game. Uh, you know, we continue to talk about Kyle Farmer's performance with the Reds. The more I rip on someone, the better they seem to do. I certainly seem to have a great reverse luck here. So Miles Straw is human trash. Uh, now, I don't mean that, but let's just see if I can turn him into an all-star as well. Uh, and please, don't get Miles Straw mad at me. I don't mean it. Anyone out there, this is going to be a situation like Zach Plesak again, where I have like someone from the Plesak family getting mad in my comments. But I'm like, I have his biggest defender. No, I'm just trying to reverse uh, do that. How about the fact that in terms of like runs created plus, Brandon Drury in the top 10. Didn't expect to see that. Owen Miller sitting 13th. Uh, but to get back, when you look at this team right now, what are their needs? We discussed catcher already. That is kind of an obvious situation. And I'm trying to remember if I said it on the air, talking with someone else. But I think, you know, it's Austin Hedges is showing signs of decline defensively. He's not throwing out base runners. There's a lot of things that are not, you know, ideal there. And I still think that trading for a catcher would be a big improvement. I mean, I don't see how you can argue that point. You have to feel pretty good at first base with Naylor and Miller. Uh, second base, you're going to have, you know, uh, Andres. You're going to have Rosario at short. And your third baseman's Jose. You might want to look up. I'm kidding, of course. Strong center field, his defensive loan. And then just bat him ninth. You're good. You assume Quan should be one of your everyday outfielders. And right now, Oscar Gonzalez the other. And I trust Fran Mill's going to rebound at DH. Everyone says trade for a bat. Where do you put that bat? That becomes my question. <laughs> like, if you want to, like, I, I if, for instance, you go out and you trade for Ian Happ. Do you make Oscar and Quan a platoon since it's a righty-lefty combo? I mean, right now, I don't want to bench Oscar. Um against lefties do you i don't think i mean i'm trying to remember oscar ever played any first it's like 
I'm Naylor really against lefties, not ideal. Um, but how do you make it work? Like, that's the thing. If you go out and make this a trade for someone, what are you going to replace? All of a sudden, it's isn't it fun? We actually have a lineup that doesn't have a glaring hole outside a catcher. It's, it's a team, yeah, you could go out and get someone. And that's the thing. If they're going to trade for someone, it almost needs to be a elite-level talent. A, so you can trade, like, five prospects for one guy because you have so many. I was talking about yesterday on Twitter. Tanner uh, Bibby, right? No, or is it B- by Bybee, Tanner Bybee. I've been saying it wrong. Tanner Bybee uh, struck out another like double-digit amount of guys and is hitting like 98, and he still can't get called up because there's nowhere to put him because the upper minors are so ridiculously loaded. I've never seen anything that is the degree of the Guardians pitching depth. I've just never seen anything like it in my whole time covering baseball. It, it's unbelievable. There's nothing. You got a guy who very clearly has nothing left to prove in high A, but he's stuck there. I mean, And you only drafted him a year ago. He hasn't even been in your system a year yet, which is what happened with Logan Allen, the younger. I'm going to keep calling him that. A year ago, uh, he's on that same track. What do you do? And it's like, honestly, when I look at this Guardians team, there's this tendency to always lean bat. And if you can go out and get an elite bat, then yeah, fine. You know, make it work. Um, Trade multiple players. Uh, Go out and trade multiple high-end prospects. I'm fine with it. You you know, if you got to pick between one of Arias, Orokio, Ty Freeman with is having, you know, a decent rebound. It's like you have so many infielders. Where are these guys going to play? Like, If you can turn three of them into a middle of the order bat, then all, you know, go at it. Especially if it helps with some of this, you know, uh, roster issues they have. And then, but honestly, for all the focus on hitting, isn't pitching really where this team should go? Now I know you're saying, didn't you just say they got starters for days they do have starters for days in the minors but you never know how minor league pitching can you never know how any prospects gonna work out um and you never and those guys aren't necessarily gonna help you this year for a team that again is in first place right now if the playoffs started tomorrow it would go bieber mckenzie quantrell this is not the days of you know kluber and uh carrasco and Clevenger, and even like Danny Salazar at peak, or Trevor Bauer in his good years. This is not that murderer's row of pitching. Shane Bieber's been inconsistent. Tristan McKenzie's been a little bit up and down. I mean, I trust them both, and they'd definitely be your top two starters. But imagine if they could... The Marlins have pitching depth for days, and they supposedly want to add bats. How much would you give up right now to go out and get someone like Paulo Lopez or... Uh, Eduardo, I'm going to get his name wrong, so let me pull up the Marlins team. Eduardo Cabrera, right, top of my head. Let's see if I got that right when I opened this up. You know, Anthony Bass, who's bounced around so much, would be a, you know, not that they need another reliever. Cole uh, Solcer has been another former Guardian guy, good reliever. But, uh, yeah, you look at them, it's like they've got multiple players pitching up. Paolo Lopez is the guy who's got a good FIP. He's got a low walk rate. He fits the Guardian style. And four years of control? You know, the people talk about Frankie Montes and Tyler Molly. The problem is it's 1.5 years for both of those guys. It's like when I was going through and looking at data, it's there's not a lot of pitching arms you can talk about where you're getting two to three years of control. Except for someone like pa- Pablo Lopez. I don't know why I, and it said Paulo. Pablo Lopez. 
Edward, Edward Cabrera is the other guy who, again, the data hasn't been great this year, and he's he's has command issues, which is, again, not really their type. Man, this team has had a lot of former Guardians this year. Lewis Head, Sean Armstrong, Cole Solcer. That's at least three guys who came through the Guardian system. Trevor Rogers has fallen on. And that's the thing, though. Like, if you're looking at this team... Like Trevor Rogers is, is turned back into a pumpkin, so they can't really afford to trade a Pablo Lopez. But that's that's honestly what I'm looking at right now. Like if I am the Guardians, if John Means was healthy in Baltimore, it's like that's what you want. You want the the starter who can go out and be a starter who you have multiple years of control of. That's the type of player you want to pursue right now. And I, I just don't know who has that. And again, yeah. It's great if you can go out and get someone. Um, and I know, you, again, that someone's going to sit there and be like, but they're pitching depth. You talk about they're ridiculous. I do, but it's not proven. And there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. And if you can get a proven starter, um, that might be the thing that this team would be smartest to go out and, and roll players into. And if you can avoid giving up an Espino or a Williams or a Valera, if you can use some of those secondary pieces and trade four interesting guys to get Someone that's like a Clevenger equivalent. Remember, Clevenger was back during the 2020 season. Uh, So this is, he would have been half of 2020. Healthy and would have been 2021 and then 2022. Someone like that, essentially. If you can go out and make your own nowadays version of the Clevenger deal and trade four or five lesser prospects, because the roster is a mess. Uh, It's a happy mess because it's so many good and interesting players. But it is a hard situation for them to navigate. Like I said, the, just looking at it, it's like Castro probably doesn't last the year with the team. I'm assuming uh, Tobias Myers is the other guy because he has pitched pretty terribly in the minor leagues as well for them. And gosh, we talked about it on the show yesterday, and I'm kind of blanking out. You know, unless they go out and make a trade, Myers, uh, you know, Kurt McCarty, who's currently still there, like those are the three names that really jumped out at me as players that could. Uh, move on as when you activate your three guys who are currently on the 60 day disabled list. And then after that, like who's the weak spot in this John Kenzie Noel. I talked on the show yesterday. I, I don't think you're letting a guy go when he's going to hit 30 plus home runs in the minors this year. Uh, even if there are, um, you know, other issues there just in terms of strikeout rate and contact, but it's like you go through, there's not, I mean, Yoan Ramirez might be the next weakest guy after that group. And you're looking at him as like it and you need to add five to six guys just on a uh, conservative side of things that's why they need to go out and make a trade that's why they need to sit there and you know say we spend all this time accumulating but forget it we need to we're we're gonna lose guys if we don't trade guys so let's go out and make a deal let's be like when kansas city went out and traded Trevor Rosenthal to the Padres, and the Padres traded two good prospects, but both were guys they'd have to add to their 40-man. So they were just doing a proactive trade then. Let's go out and make deals like that. If you can go out and get uh, someone who would really slot in as a genuine third starter, listen, I'll pause the podcast and give you another idea instead of Pablo Lopez, because, again, I think he's not really out there. So three quick names to consider. Uh, How about the fact uh, JT Brubaker, University of Akron pitcher, I've brought up many times on the show, Currently has the same war as Tristan McKenzie. They're tied in terms of war. They actually have very similar uh, lines in terms of things like FIP and XFIP. 
that I mean, and by similar, if I go over here and look at my computer screen, uh, they have the exact same expected ERA. I can't be no, I'm sorry, 388 for Brew Baker, 383 for McKenzie, 430 FIP for Brew Baker, 437 for McKenzie. Uh, again, he's a local kid, multiple years of control, who's also came through the terrible pitching factory that is Pittsburgh. There's a chance he gets better just being in a place that he could pitch. And Pittsburgh's in that massive rebuild still. Brubaker would be an interesting fifth. And here's the, the other part of this. So if you go out and you make a trade for someone like Brubaker, maybe you can trade Jose Tenya, Angel, or Angel Martinez, and one of the you know pitching prospects who's not quite the highest shelf. And maybe like it's something like Tenya, Peyton Batenfield, and then... You know, one other higher shelf guy. Maybe it is Angel Martinez as well. It might be a lot, but you know, it's just this is top of my head stuff, and I'm terrible at trades. That clears one roster spot now and two others. You know what you can then do? Turn around and flip a police act for a long. You know, take the Tampa route, flip him for a Lauda ticket. Go and try to make the next James Shields for Fernando Tatis Jr. deal. Right? Go flip him to Toronto for a far away prospect who you don't. You clear a roster spot then. And you're you're clearing a bonus roster spot as well. So you're clearing, in that trade, for instance, you cleared one roster spot and one guy you would have had to add, and then you make another trade that clears a third roster spot. The other two guys, just to consider in here, uh, Merrill Kelly, who was actually drafted by the Guardians out of high school. He's not necessarily an ace type, but I think he'd be the number three on this team right now. He's been worth 1.6 war. He's got a 325 FIP this year. Last year's FIP was a 411 399 the year before that. I talked about him last year as a potential trade target. 27 starts. He doesn't miss a ton of bats. He doesn't walk too many guys. He's having a really strong year. And, I mean, his, he's making $9 million in uh, 2023, $9 million 2024, and the club option for 2025. He is 33 years of age, so maybe the club option isn't uh, that great, but still. It is a reasonable contract. You can expect a team like the Guardians to actually not hate at the fact that he's going to turn uh, 34 in October. So, you know, it's you have to pay him for his, uh, his age 34 and 35 with a contract on age 36. But he's pitching well. He's pitched well, and he's a former draft pick. And then let's shoot the moon, right? Let's figure out a, a situation where you really go for it. Zach Gallen in Arizona. He very much fits the Guardians' approach. Look at the K rates, look at the walk rates. Uh, he's never had a war over two because he's had some health issues. That's probably your big concern. 15 starts, 12 starts in 2020, just 23 starts last year, 121 innings. He's already up to 71 starts, 1.2 war. He's a really good pitcher who isn't a free agent until after 2025. So if a team could pry him out, you're getting 22, 23, 24, two and a half years, just like Clevenger. Why would Arizona consider moving him? Arizona is really bad. Now they did go out and trade Jazz Chisholm for him, so you know they they were trying to do it when they thought there was a chance, kind of for now, when they're trying to go out and compete. That's why you go out and you add Madison Bumgardner as well. But when you're looking at where they are in their developmental pattern, I mean they have a top shelf minor leagues. They have one of the best like minor league systems, especially at the top in baseball. And they, they have a really interesting pitching staff because Madison Bumgardner is, he's not been terrible. He's not been 
who he was before. Merrill Kelly has pitched well. Zach Davies has actually pitched really well for them this year, and they have Zach Allen. Uh, the bullpen has been an issue, and their lineup has some other parts and pieces. Gallen is, he'll turn 27 this year. He's not necessarily old or anything like that. You know, Kettle Marte is actually older than him. I, I don't know if they'd even consider it, but he is the guy who makes sense. He's the guy to chase. Uh, and if you are Arizona, the thought process is like Ryan Nelson's very close and he was a one of your draft success stories. Man, I'm at four. I can't keep these short anymore. Uh, you have some interesting guys in the system. Let's uh, let's end the chat there. <laughs> I want to thank everyone. You know, the whole thing for me is I, I just think, honestly, a pitcher you can put in that top tier with Mackenzie and Bieber is actually probably the biggest need on this team right now. Uh, Daniel Spino is out indefinitely. There was some thought maybe he would be the guy this year. I, he may not pitch this year. We'll have to see. Uh, Gavin Williams is, is moving quickly. He's not moving that quickly. Could Joey Cantillo be the guy? We talked about you know his hard rate, hard hit rate. We've had Hunter Gaddis on the show. Maybe there's someone internally. But I think catcher, and honestly, like I said, a, a starter you can consider a real 2-3 because you have that top two, and then you have fours and fives. Getting someone who could set you up as a legit like upper rotation starter for two and a half to three years, maybe that is what the Guardians should actually be looking into. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been Locked on Guardians podcast. Go check out the tomorrow's the NBA draft. Who doesn't love a draft? I mean, I've got my mock draft game still right over there. Uh, make sure to check out Locked On's um, MLB or MLB. Check out their MLB one. I'll be you know front and center on that. But their NBA, uh, they go all out with these. It, it'll be a lot of fun to watch. The Cavs guys are great here in network, and hopefully it's the last time the Cavs are picking in the lotto. I've been Jeff Ellis. Uh, remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps. We're very close to 300 subscribers on YouTube. So let's get that taken care of. And uh, as I end every show now, go, go, Guardians, go.